1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. So, Mara, our guest today is Jess Walton, who plays Jill on Young and the Restless. Um, You know, the interesting thing about Jess is that we don't see her all the time on camera, which was her choice. She lives in Oregon and isn't based in Los Angeles anymore. So, Jill really pops in and out of storyline as needed. But, you know, when Jill comes to town, like, it's usually for something really big. Uh, She was recently there for Billy's intervention, which, of course, had she not been, it would not have been the same. Um, Those were such amazing scenes, and she's just so wonderful. And she really brings a gravitas to those Abbott family moments, I feel. And I know from our reader mail, I am not alone in thinking that and that people would love to see her more. You know,
0: just my my thoughts traveled to, if she hadn't been at that intervention, that would have been a picky picky. <laughs> totally um, would have been. But, uh, you know, Jill is such an iconic character, and I think it would be really hard to overestimate what losing her altogether would mean uh, to the show. You know, it's just such a fortunate thing for YNR and for YNR fans that they've been able to have this arrangement with Jess that enables them to weave her in and out of story. And as much as we would love to have Jill on screen full time, this is the next best thing.
1: You know, and really, this is something that years ago never would have been done. You know, actors were always locked into contracts that didn't enable them to float in and out of storylines. But, you know, in some ways, it's now to the actor's advantage. Uh, I was just at the Day of Days in L.A., and I had a conversation with an actor who was recurring, and they pointed out that, you know, nowadays, with other year-round productions happening... And like other jobs kind of available in the schedule of days in particular where they're dark once a month, you know, it's almost better to have the option of not being on contract and being able to take other gigs. You know, but as I've said before, I love when people come to visit. I think it's so great how shows have embraced using actors in short term capacities because it really does enhance story, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely, I agree, and I, you know, I think it's something where we've seen it happen over the years, from time to time. Like I'm almost thinking of like Paul Layden or Paolo Saganti, I feel like came back to As the World Turns for like a little burst, or Eden Regal would come in as Bianca from time to time. But it's, I think it's happening nowadays a lot more consistently, primarily on days GH and Y&R. You know, I think at one point we called it a trend, but now I think it's it's a new mainstay, and it's uh, not only something that gives actors flexibility to pursue other roles. Or to comfortably live somewhere else, as in the case of Jess, who is now based in Oregon. But you can also pursue other careers altogether, like in the case of Kimberly McCullough, who does short bursts on G.H.'s Robin, but is primarily focused on her directing career. You know, for some reason, I think of B&B and how, like, different it would be if instead of uh, fully retiring, um, if B&B and and Susan Flannery had worked something out where, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of similar arrangement to Jess where – we would see Stephanie in shorter-term storylines. It's kind of hard for me to imagine what would have taken Stephanie away from all the family that she has in L.A.
1: So here's where I feel it could be like Stephanie was out shopping or Stephanie's at the office while they're at the Forrester Mansion. You know, I feel sometimes maybe the shows think it's an all-or-nothing proposition, even in these kinds of cases. Um, And I would have been fine, like, to see Stephanie a few times a month and have mentions of her in between, but still have Susan as a presence on the B&B canvas.
0: Well, there, there are recurring characters who spend the majority of their time off screen. And, you know, I'm certainly not saying I wouldn't want to see more of some of these folks. But to your point, I guess I don't find myself wondering where they are or how they're <laughs> spending their time when they're not on screen. I will say, you know, particularly as the GH editor, but really also as a longtime viewer, uh, I if I could pick anyone who has kind of retired from the business to – make short-term visits, it would be Jane Elliott uh, as Tracy on GH.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, she's definitely missed and it would be great if you know, that could have been worked out there. Um, You know, I have to say, though, as the day's editor, I couldn't be happier with how Ron Carlovati has managed to weave, you know, Sammy, Nicole, Mimi, Bonnie, Hattie, Teresa. I mean, this list goes on and on, you know, in and out. You know, I always liken it to family coming to visit, which totally happens in real life. You know, in these cases, they stay a little longer, they make an impact on the canvas, and then they go. And it really is the best of all worlds for the actor and the viewers. Absolutely. Well, we could say Jess is living the best of both worlds in that sense, so let's get her on the phone and see what she has to say. Hi, Jess. Hi, Stephanie and Mara. Hi, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. We are so happy to talk to you. Oh, thank you. So Mara and I were actually just discussing just how great it is for YNR that they're able to have you come visit and how the audience just loves seeing you when you do. You know, so what's your take on it and... Would you want to work more? Do you work as much as you would like to? Well, that's just
2: really interesting. I was up in Oregon, you know, a few months back, and I just talked to Mal on the phone, our producer, and he was asking me what I wanted to do and everything. My husband was ill for a while. He's better now. Mm -hmm. And at the time I said, well, I kind of want to spend more time with him, so they let me. And then he's better now, so I said I would want to work a little more, so I think they're going to let me. And I thought, how great is this? to have a job that I love, you know, on this wonderful soap that I've been part of for maybe 31 years now. And then, and this wonderful man, Mal, who makes it so easy for me. And he really treats me with a lot of respect. And he's always telling me that the audience loves me. He's just, he makes me feel so good. And I thought, wow, what have I ever done to deserve this perfect job position I'm in, you know?
1: hmm. Well, we do get a lot of response when you do come back to the show from the fans and then when you're not there we do as well so he's not lying
2: <laughs> good i i'm really glad of it and i really feel a lot of respect from him and everybody else here is so great matt i love matt kane and so do we. all the oh my god the relations that i have with all these people for so many years you know it's great
0: i'm curious you know when You decided that you wanted to pull back on Jill and make Oregon more of your base. Did you imagine that it would possibly mean saying goodbye to Jill forever? Was that something you... Yeah, I did.
2: I think uh, whatever happened at the time, it was like... uh I think it was way back, I don't know how many years ago, and they had let Tristan go, and I hadn't had a real good story in a long time except for that one, and then they let him go, and I was furious, and I thought, no, I'm done with this. And anyway, it was our kids wanted to move up to Oregon, and our son wanted to have his babies up there, and we thought, well, we're of retirement age, I might as well just retire. So I went in and I asked them if I could have six months off, and they said, by all means. You know, and if you want to come back, then you can come back. So that's when I went up there, and I think it was, I think it was six months, a full six months I didn't work, and then I think it came under a new producer, and and I, I called up to congratulate them, and they said, would you come back? And I said, yeah, I think I would like to, because I'm I thought I I thought I was going to write become a mystery writer. or something up there on the ranch. And that just didn't happen. So I came came back and it was really fun. It was when Jeannie was still alive and it was so good to see her. I had missed her so horribly when I was up there. Jeannie Cooper.
1: Well, what was it like not to work after working for so many years steadily?
2: It was fine. It was actually fine in almost every way. I mean, I had my days free. I could do what I want. You know, I think we had our first grandchild then. Um, The only thing that was a little weird about it is I lost a little sense of who I was because this show and playing this part had been a huge part of like an alternate universe almost. Do you know what I mean? Jill Abbott and... And in Genoa City, it was almost like a part of me actually lived in this city. So when I was up there, uh, and I didn't realize that before I came back and worked. And then when I came down here, um, I, I thought, oh, my God, it's filling a little bit of a void that I had. So then I knew that I still wanted to work.
0: I'm interested, too, uh, in the way that this works. You know, we know that shows tape a certain amount in advance, but they are written, obviously, further in advance than that. So when mm-hmm. you say, yes, okay, I'll come back and do this stint, how far ahead do you have to give them notice that, that you're on board?
2: Well, I mean, there's the general thing of they want to know how much I want to work, and I tell them. And mm-hmm. then I think we're about a month and ahead, a month and a half ahead of when it airs. So then there's... When they're thinking of doing a story, it's a few weeks, probably before that, when they check my availability, because I'm not on contract, I'm on recurring, so they have to check my availability, you know, so that's how it works out.
1: So before Mara and I were getting ready to talk to you, we looked at your IMDb page, and your first credit appeared in 1969 on that.
2: I know. i you I came here. <laughs> it was the Guns of
1: Will Sonnet was the yes, first credit certainly we saw. Was. Um, so yeah, tell it was us. Walter
2: Brennan. Walter Brennan.
1: <laughs> wow. Um, so tell us what yeah. brought you to L.A. And, were, and was it directly from Michigan? And when you knew that this is what you no, I was born
2: in Mich. I No, I was born in Michigan, and my dad worked for Mutual of Omaha, and he was moving up in the company, and we finally, and all through the Midwest, my sister was born in Iowa, and then he started out as a little salesman, and he worked his way up to vice president, and we ended up in Omaha, Nebraska, in Mutual of Omaha. And then he was made the head of the company for Canada, so we moved up to Toronto when I was about 10 or 11, and I was raised up there. Um, and then then I was in the theater up there, and my roommate was Victor Garber, who's an actor, a Broadway actor, and he was my roommate, and his mother was my manager, and she was coming down here to sell a singing group that Victor was in, and she was meeting with some um, musical uh, producers and managers, and she, because she was my manager, she went to William Morris, showed them my picture, and they said, oh, bring her down, because I was... 22 or something then and they said bring her down we want to meet her so I came down here with her and William Morris signed me wanted to sign me right away and but we had lunch with these music producers and I fell in love with one of them instantly he had Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and Joni Mitchell and you know uh, musicians like that he was a pretty big deal in the music business and we just fell in love immediately And a week later, I was living down here. (laughs) I kind of do things on the spur of the moment. (laughs) It was the 60s. Um, It was the (laughs) 60s, and it was just so much fun. And I lived in Laurel Canyon, and it was great. It was really good. So that's that's how I came to Hollywood in 69, yeah.
1: That's a song in and of itself, I feel. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing too to think of how kind of quickly and seamlessly you were able to make that transition which seems so daunting to make.
2: Well, you know, I'd always intended to go to New York and be a theater actress, always because I was in the theater up there. Um, but, no, I th- I fell in with this crowd of, you know, I was making dinner for Leonard Cohen and I, it was it was a fabulous, really heady time. Um, and then but then everybody I was surrounded with was super, super huge in terms of stardom. Do you know what I mean? And I started, and I did a few little shows like Guns of Will Sonnet and The Young Lawyers. And, um, you know, you've, you've seen the IMDB page. So that started out. And, and I just um, wanted to do something on my own, so I broke off from that whole thing. And then I just started making my own career.
0: That's so impressive. And wait, I have to know, do you, do you keep in touch with Victor Garber?
2: Yes. I, well,
0: I haven't in the last couple
2: of years, but we did for a long, long time. Um, yeah. He, we were just so crazy about each other. He was my best, one of my best friends for a long, long time.
1: That's amazing. Um, yeah. So now let's talk about your first daytime role, which was Kelly Harper on Capitol. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you remember about getting the part and just about that show in general? One of my favorites.
2: Oh, it was a great show. And I was just, you know, sitting here telling Matt, this this building is magic for me because it was here. And it was right. Capitol was right across the hall. It's where you know, uh, Bold and Beautiful is now. And my dressing room was right beside Brenda Dixon's, who has been playing Jill. So wow. I was in dressing room three on Capitol and she was in dressing room four and all the cameramen, you know, we'd, they'd switch across the hall. So I really knew the whole crew over here, and I knew a lot of the actors over here. And Capital was wonderful. I mean, I really do credit um, th- that for giving me my start. And I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to be in soap opera. I was really a snob about it uh, for all those years, you know, as we tend to be when we're young. I wanted to be in the theater, and then I was in TV, and then Soap Opera was really at the bottom of the list for me. But I came and read for it and got the part and absolutely fell in love with it because I had been in Canada at the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and we always used pre-camera techniques, so I was familiar with that. And I actually always preferred it to the, the film technique.
1: So was Capital the first soap you auditioned for? Yes, it was. And you got it. And I got it. Um, So tell us about just playing Kelly. You know, what was it like for you to find her? She was such a complicated (laughs) character. It must have been really fun.
2: Well, this was God's little joke on me because I had always found it very difficult to cry. And I, you know, Uh, when you're a young female in Hollywood, you're very often the victim on all these TV shows. And you very often have to cry. And it was really, really difficult for me. Um, So, and Kelly had to cry a lot. Um, Because,
1: you know, I don't know
2: if your viewers know, but she was like supposed to be, you know, like JFK had uh, Campbell, what's her name? Campbell was his mistress. And anyway, Kelly was supposed to be Congressman Trey Clegg's mistress. And I had his son. And, um, anyway, I finally, I went up and I spoke to John Comboy, and I said, please, John, when can I stop crying? And he said, never, honey, you're the victim on the show. (laughs) (laughs) It was so horrible. Oh my God. I hated it. And then Lola Falana was my agent. Mm -hmm. And, uh. Yeah, there is. I have a huge picture in my home up in Oregon that Kelly, my character, painted, and I remember signing it on camera, and it's hanging in my home. It had been sitting up in the attic of CBS for many years before a friend of mine found it and said, oh, my God, I'll bet Jess would love to have this, and indeed I did.
1: That's so cool. What dope. a hoot.
0: What a hoot. I bet you never yeah. thought you would see that thing again.
2: I never did. It was a huge story point, yeah, too. That picture was real important in the story. So I loved Capitol a lot. It was three years I was on Capitol.
0: Uh, what was uh, John Conboy like to work for and with?
2: I loved John Conboy. I mean, he just, I just adored him. He was a straight shooter, and he'd always tell me the truth. And he was funny, and he was smart. And he had an eye for, there was something the kind of film noir about him, too. Um, And he was in love with that soap, and he put so much of himself into it, you know. And he was in the booth a lot, too. And I love that hands-on thing that he did um, with his actors.
1: Um, And tell us about working with Nicholas Walker. Oh, Nicholas. Nicholas and
2: I were like brothers and—brother and sister, not brothers. (laughs) Brother and sister. And we— were the lovers that they, we, they kept us apart and kept us apart. And I would lurk in the bushes when he married Sloane and <laughs> so forth. And then finally, um, after I don't even know how long, maybe a year, see that picture, I, I painted, Kelly painted that picture and it hung in an artist gallery and he saw it and somehow knew it was mine, and that's how he found his way to me on a stormy night, and it was raining, pouring rain, and he rang the doorbell, and the door opened, and he pulled me outside, and we were both completely drenched and kissing, and it was a very hot love scene where we got back together. It was great. And Nicholas and I, uh, we, we, would practice, we would rehearse our scenes so much. Even our love scenes, we'd choreograph them. Should we kiss big here? Should we kiss little kisses here? I mean, I we could just we were really close, and our husband, my husband, and his wife, the four of us, would get together all the time. And he was one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. I love him a lot still to this day.
1: That's awesome.
0: You got a big smile on Steph's face over here. <laughs> She's this big capital fan. Yeah. for sure.
2: Oh.
1: So, what was it like to work with Richard Egan, who played Sam Clegg?
2: wonderful actor. He would often stand by and watch our scenes and he would talk to us about how we could make them better. And this is one thing that I love about the actors on this show, YNR and Capital, is the older ones. I was a younger one at that time. Well, not that young, but I was a younger one. But sharing their experience and being very generous and giving with, it was like a big family. Um, I loved him so much. There were so many. Rory Calhoun was on that, and he was gorgeous. Oh my God, he was so wonderful. It was. It was a it great was cast. and
1: show. It was a really good show. Yeah, it was.
2: Lola Falana had a hard time because she was very Vegas, and she never got up before eleven thirty or twelve. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Vegas, and then oh my God, it was it was torture for her to get up early the way we shot here. <laughs>
1: Um, So obviously you really enjoyed the experience. Um, What was it like for you when the show was canceled?
2: It was very, very sad. It was, uh, you know, because for the first time in my life, I had job security. I mean, when you're in a soap, you know, it's job security big time. And it was three years. And I was really falling into the swing of things. And then all of a sudden, um, John called us all up to his office one day and told us that we were canceled. And... Um it was devastating. It was devastating. And but it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me, I'll tell you.
1: Were you looking to do another more... soap at the time?
2: No, I no, I was just going on auditions and so forth and then 4 months later. I think it was only 4 months later. Uh, oh, see what happened was that when when capital ended, I put together a tape of my best scenes and had it there and one day my agent called me and said they're, they're looking to replace Jill Abbott on Young and the Restless, and so he sent my tape over to Bill Bell's desk, and it sat on his desk for, I don't know, a week, and he still hadn't found a replacement, and somebody said, have you looked at Jess Walton's tape yet? And he said, Jess Walton, that's a guy, and they said no. It's No, it's not. And then he looked at my tape and then the very same day they called up and made me an offer. And I was over meeting him and in wardrobe and Nicholas Walker, who had actually, I think he was dating Eileen Davison. Yeah, uh, he was. At that time. He couldn't have been. He was married. I don't know. Oh, well, he dated her he couldn't I have think been.
0: prior. I think they were in the early. I think covered. in the early oh, 80s. He dated her
2: before he got married. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he had known Jeannie Cooper. That's what it was. And he might have been on here for a brief time, too. He might have been on Young and the Restless. So he came over to my house, and he played Jeannie Cooper for me because <laughs> my scenes were all with her the next day. I had to start the very next day. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, it was really – and Laurelie was a baby then, and my son, Philip uh, was engaged to, to her, and little Nina, Tricia Cast, was trying to come between them. That was the storyline that was going on when I got in. Oh, and Jill had, hot, had found Quinn Redeker. Uh, Uh Rex Sterling on a park bench. And I was grooming him to make Jeannie fall in love with him, Catherine fall in love with him. And then I was going to tell her he was bought and paid for it. That was the big story that was going on. A classic. It was so much fun. Yeah. Very juicy. Yeah, it was a classic story. Very juicy. But what was scary about it is Kelly, as the victim on Capitol, was always... She never really led the scenes so much, but Jill led every scene she was in. I mean, as you can imagine, she was the instigator. And uh, it was a whole different story, (laughs) a whole different character.
1: (laughs) Well, now, these are the years before the Internet, you know, before you could just go Google, you know, Jill Foster Abbott. What did you know about this character other than that your dressing room was next to Brenda Dixon?
2: I I knew absolutely nothing about the character. I knew she was a troublemaker. You know, I knew there was a storyline where Jill gets shot by somebody who shot Jill. And I was vaguely aware of that from talk around the studio. But I didn't really know much about it. I knew she was the bad girl. Um, but that's about it, really. And But then, oh, my God, the first few days that I was on, everybody, all the camera, Because, remember, I knew everybody, the makeup people, the camera people. And they all would come up to me, the actors, and film me in on their characters. And the um, very first scene I had was with Don Diamant, um, who played um, Brad. Brad. And I never could call him Brad. I always called him Don for some reason <laughs> because he made such an impression on me as the first person um, who filled me in on stuff. That's amazing. And, J- and what's his name um, that played uh, um, Jack before Peter did? Terry Terry Lester. Lester. Yeah, he – I would ask him about being a villain and he would give me little hints.
0: So it's it's interesting. You know, Jill is like – was remains such an iconic character, but she was iconic as, you know, played by Brenda for low those many years. Were you intimidated yep. at all about – winning her fans over, winning the Jill fans over?
2: No, I wasn't even really aware of that until years later about all the fans that she had had. All I was worried about was doing a good job with the character, you know, and I wanted to flesh her out a little bit. Um, she was very camp. She played it in a much more camp style, and she was wonderful at that. Um, I But I wanted to play Jill more my way. Now... Um, Ed Scott was our producer at the time, and when anybody would do a recast, he'd be down on that floor out of the control room, always trying to shape us to make the transition smooth for the audience. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, He was wonderful all those years. Um, So he wanted to give me the, the main points of Jill, and then I just wanted to fill her in. She had to be made mine. You can't be on a soap opera for this long you know what I mean, and Mm -hmm. have it be somebody else's creation. I'll tell you what was really difficult is that they wrote for Brenda, and that was so hard for me to learn those lines. I'd lie in bed at night with my husband. He'd be reading, and I'd be studying lines, and I said to him one night, I can't do this. I'm going to have no life at all because I was trying to learn it in her rhythm with her words, exactly word for word, do you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. which I was used to doing as a professional actor. And I just had to let that go, and and gradually, 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 they stopped writing with her kind of rhythm, and and started adding mine. You know.
1: Well, we actually recently talked to Peter um, about how it felt to him to take over for Terry, and he said he felt mm-hmm. like people in the building knew more about Jack than he did for a long time. Um, when did you feel like you had a real grasp on Jill? Like I got a year.
2: This. It was a full year. It was a really full year before I feel com- felt comfortable with Jill. And Terry said to me one day, "Have fun with being bad." And that was a really really valuable message that he gave me. Um so I started enjoying the heck out of it, you know. <laughs> um and and it was tricky cuz Jill is not is she's pretty far from me. You know, she's not I'm not like her at all, I don't think. Um I'm not ambitious. I mean, I only ever wanted to be an actress, and I kind of had some talent, so I fell into a lot of lucky deals. Um, I mean, I learned to be disciplined, so I can give myself credit for that, but um, I was never driven. I was never political. You know, when you go to the Hollywood parties and do all that schmoozing, I was never good at that. Um, And those are the things I think Jill is really good at. And also, I never, I like to think that I never tried to direct everyone's life around me, (laughs) (laughs) which she she does. She's very good at that. (laughs) Yeah, she's very good at that. Um, And she was a businesswoman, and I'm certainly not a businesswoman. So, uh, you know, and I'm not as cruel as she can be. She can be so cruel. Sometimes I would open scripts and I would go, oh, my God, I can't do this. I mean, remember, I don't know how long you I don't know, we've we've had scenes, oh, the scene where I had to tell Jeannie that poor, the guy she was in love with but was bought and paid for. It didn't matter because he was in love with her anyway, but still I felt so mean, uh, you know. And then there was a time when I called the whole town over to Jeannie's house to tell them that I owned the Chancellor Mansion and I was right. kicking her out. It was just, those are difficult scenes for me to play.
0: Oh, my God. God. Especially because she relishes them so much, that that Jill. Those are her yeah, moments of glory.
2: Absolutely, she does. I mean, I remember when I was having an affair of Jill, interchangeable here, she was having an affair with Victor, and she thought he was going to ask her to marry him. And she went out, and they had all these scenes with me getting pedicures and a dress and hair done and everything. And then I march over to the Chabot boardroom where the whole Abbott family are there, and Victor, unbeknownst to Jill, is lurking in the corner, and I announce this is Victor Newman. This must have been on a break he was taking from Nikki at the time. And then he comes out of the corner and very gently tells me that he was going to break up with me. Oh, my God, this poor woman, now that I think back <laughs> on everything she's been through. Very awkward. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I always could cry well with him. You know, I've become a better crier over these years. Victor was very, Eric was very good to cry with. There's something about having somebody strong enough to support you that kind of makes it easier for you to break down. Jerry Douglas was very good that way, too. Um, Yeah, I I became a better crier, and I also think because I was so invested in the character. She was so much a part of me. You know, it was so easy to get lost in her life not so easy when you're on a one week guest starring show, you know. Mm-hmm. I was because I was under contract to Universal for a long time when I was on all those Iron Sides and all those shows.
1: Oh. Uh
0: so obviously, you know, we've established that Bill liked what he saw when he saw your tape after realizing you were a lady. Yes. Um what uh what was your relationship with with Bill like? <laughs> Um,
2: it was great, except that for a long time, I thought our casting director, Tom Palmer, was Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I kept going up to Tom Palmer's office and asking him how I was doing. And he kept saying, well, I guess you're saying, fine, what are they telling you? <laughs> and finally, I said to him, I love your daughter, and meaning Laura Lee. And he said, I don't have a daughter. Oh, my God. It was so crazy. Yeah, But, no, we got along just fine. And he used to have those wonderful parties. Oh, my God. Just beautiful parties. And I loved Lee. And, uh, yeah. But Bill was up in his office, you know. He directed from above. It was. You know, it was almost like a godlike thing. If if I had a problem, I would call him, and I would. I remember after I'd been on for about a year, my storyline died down because I used to work. I was in the thick of it, and I said to him, um, "Are you? Am I not going to work any more than this?" He said, "No, it's cyclical, Jess. You'll see." And it, and I did. He was. I mean, he was a wonderful man, and if you did have a problem, you could call him. You know, and. Uh, Oh, you know the story, don't you? I've told this. I don't want to repeat myself, but the biggest, funniest thing that ever happened was he, Agnes Nixon, I think it was, I shouldn't really mention any names. One female writer had once in a meeting said, you've got got me so upset, my bladder is distended. (laughs) And... He never forgot that, and he always wanted to use that line in a script. So here I open the script one day, and Jill has to say to Catherine, I'm going to, uh, you're going to tell me where Nina is right after I get back from the bathroom because you have got me so upset my bladder is distended. <laughs> and I said to Jeannie, I can't say this on national television. And she said, you better say it. And I called Bill, and I said, Bill, I'm having a really hard time with this line. And... He'd, then he said, well, then cut the line, Jess, in a very cold voice. And I thought, oh, dear, I better say the line. So I did say it, and it was it was frantically hysterical. <laughs> and Jeannie, of course, made it work because she was in the foreground looking down, and as soon as I said, said the line and marched off to the bathroom, she just looked up straight into camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> she couldn't believe her ears that I had said that. It was, so it was a great, great moment, you know? Mm-hmm. It's funny how in life some of the bad things you think are great, are, are bad, turn out to be really good.
0: For sure. For sure. Um,
1: well, yeah. tell yeah. us more about Jeannie and your memories of her and working with her.
0: Oh,
2: Jeannie and I had years of sitting in her dressing room here, and it's back when we both smoked. And we would sit there. She had, her her set was the last set of the second stage. So we had all day long, and of course they did a lot more takes then, right? And we shot it in all different, in a whole different manner then. But we would sit in there, and we would gossip, and we would talk about everything in the world, and we would... There were times when we were waiting for the birth of one of her grandchildren uh, over at Cedars a few blocks away, and we would mostly work on the lines and how to make them better, and we would set each other up for the jokes and the punchlines, and we would crack each other up because we were both so in love with our characters and their relationship with each other. It, It was unbelievable. I've never had a relationship like it. She was magnificent. She really, really was. And we had more fun. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was, we'd go out there and we would think of names to call each other because if you, Sometimes if you say a name or the writers get in their idea, like an old relic, it comes out all the time. So we would try to think of a variation on that theme. And we would have so much fun thinking up names to call each other.
0: It sounds like, you know, to really play such great rivals, and my goodness, were the two of you fantastic together, there has to be that trust and that lack of ego to let the other person have the jab or the win. I mean, it's very... Uh, oh my god that's exactly it
2: that was exactly how it was with her she would set me up for the punchline, or i would set her up or i remember one time she had to crack me over the head with a vase and i would go and she said you should go down cross-eyed and so i did like (laughs) just dropped out of the camera lens cross-eyed and i remember when we had the fight in the attic we didn't like how our doubles were doing the scene we thought they were both wimpy so we did them, We did it ourselves. And, she, oh God, she must have been in her 70s then for sure. And we went over on the couch. Uh, the, floor, the couch tipped over. She was a trooper. I'm telling you, and every time I approached one of these scenes, I thought, I have to be careful of her. And she always ended up whooping me. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time in a courtroom when I think I was trying to get the house away from her. Um, it was a time when I was wearing this long fall and I said to her, be careful of my hair because it will come off. Well, she spent, of course, the whole time in the fight with me on the floor and she was sitting astride me trying to rip my hair off me <laughs> because I had told her that um, she she was hysterical. She was hysterical.
1: Um, we thought we would kind of talk about some of your other co-stars. Um, tell us about working with Jerry Douglas.
2: Oh, Jerry Douglas was outrageous. He just would say anything um i I don't know even what to say about him. He just made me laugh all the time, and he was really easy to act with because he's very he's very paternal he He really takes care of his ladies. It's in his nature. So he always tried to protect you, you know. Um, I remember I had maybe my realest scene ever with Jerry. We were getting divorced on the show, and we were in the Abbott living room, and we were down by the cutting piece in front of the couch, and we were in the middle of a really hot fight scene. And I realized that I would forgotten that I was Jess and I was Jill. I was Jill, and he was not Jerry. He was John Abbott, and it was the realest acting ever felt to me when I actually forgot who I was, and I was so in that scene. He's a magnificent actor. He really is.
0: That's so lovely.
2: Yeah. I wish his ghost could come back to me, I'll tell you. I would have some fun. That would be cool. I would have some fun if Jerry's, you know, John Abbott's ghost came back.
1: Yeah, we've
0: been missing him, the ghost. I know. The ghost of John.
2: Uh, I know. He really, he was, that was like the structure of the show. I really regretted that, that he left.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of one of those things that, looking back, would they have done the yes. same thing? Had right. They exactly. Because it yeah. Yeah. was such a permanent decision that affected so many other storylines. It was story such lines.
2: a permanent mm-hmm. decision, and he was so structural, mm-hmm. you know, so...
0: Um, well let's talk about some of the billies that you've worked with over the years. Um, tell us about working with Billy Miller. Billy
2: Miller was great. Billy Miller was he came on and he was instantly Billy to me. I remember the day he came on and I thought he just he just was. He was such a bad
0: boy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was he was a bad boy and it was it was very hard for him cuz Jill had really hurt Billy a lot. And so it was really hard for him to show any love for Jill. So it would come out very rarely, you know. Um, so, yeah, he was a fabulous Billy. There have been many, many Billies. Many Billies.
1: Many, billies. many um, billies. What about David Tom, who you worked with as a David young David Tom was young my old. baby. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because he came on when he was so young. And he was the same age as my son. And they used to hang out together off camera, like in real life. And so Billy really felt like my baby. He was so young when he was on, you know, and Thad was on at the same time. And, um, I, yeah, I love David a lot. He's sweet. He's a sweet kid.
0: And now, of course, uh, Billy is played by Jason Thompson. Uh, yes. and yeah, tell us about your relationship with him.
2: Well, David, it, it's funny cause, or I mean, J- Jason, um, has the same hair color and eyes I do. So it was really strange to go from blue-eyed blonde Billies to him, but I loved it because it really felt like he was my son. And I must say, Jason is the most magnificent actor. It's like butter working with him. It is completely effortless. All I have to do is lock into his eyes, and there's this twinkle there where Billy knows Jill very well and doesn't really put up with any of her nonsense um, but finds her amusing at the same time and, is, and loves her a lot. And I can feel that in every scene with him. And I love him a lot. And he sees right through Jill and she knows he does and she shares stuff with him. I think the relationship between them is magnificent. I really love it a lot.
1: Agreed. Like those intervention scenes certainly would not have been the same had you not been there.
2: Well thank you very much. Yeah, I, he and I were just talking about that today cuz I just worked with them this morning and we were talking about the intervention scenes and all of the family being there and all of us taking it so seriously. It's sometimes it's a bit hard to have a whole bunch of actors that know each other really well in the same room and it can, you know what I mean, it can get kind of out of hand with of having everybody concentrate, but everyone was so invested in those scenes. Everybody was so professional and it was so emotional. Everyone was great in those. They were wonderful scenes.
1: Definitely. Um, now for someone who never intended to be in soaps, uh, 2018 marked 30 years since you joined Young and the Restless. Yeah. What does that mean to you when you look back on your whole experience there?
2: I don't know. I don't know what it means to me. It was such, it's been such a huge part of my life. It's like I said before, I, it's almost like an alter ego living here in Genoa City. Um, you know, I, I've made my choices about how much I work or don't work, and they've been gracious enough to allow me to do that. But I'll tell you, um, when I hear things like about You know, because I used to be a big businesswoman here in Genoa City, and now I'm really not involved in the business, and I get really kind of jealous. (laughs) You know, it's the same way when there were weddings or big parties and one character wasn't invited, and you think, damn it, why wasn't I there? And then you remember how many days it takes to shoot a party (laughs) (laughs) and the hardships of that. But I I kind of... My heart is still partly here all the time.
1: And from what you said... Looks like we'll be seeing you more.
2: I hope so. I hope so.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was so fun to take a look back and talk to you.
2: Oh, thank you. I've loved this. Thank you both so much.
0: Yeah, we really, really appreciate it. We both are grinning like fools. I know you can't see us, but
1: but we're very smiley over here in New York.
2: (laughs) I'm glad. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And you too. You too, Jess. Have a good day. Bye bye.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Jess Walton for being our guest. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.